This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. everyone welcome to the mcu Lorecast. i'm captain shanko and i'm psych 88 and today we're joined by a very special guest we are joined by the one and only sophia justine uh, the gm for the mass effect blue shift podcast welcome sophia hey guys sorry today we're gonna be doing another character deep dive but today we actually have four characters that we're gonna be talking about because they weren't given a fair shake in their theatrical debut so we're talking (laughs) about lady sif and the warriors three yeah so basic questions and we're gonna open it to sophia here first when were you first introduced to these characters they were completely out of the blue for me when they first made their appearance in thor the first Thor movie. I had never seen them before. I had never looked into it before. I didn't know anything about them. They just kind of appeared. I was totally on board. Yeah, that's pretty fair. How about you, Shanko? Yeah, I'm more or less the same. Um, I had been kind of introduced, I guess, to the actual like mythological Lady Sif through mythology because I was really big into mythology in middle school, high school. Um, But I didn't really get to know the characters until, like you, I saw them in the movie. And I thought that Sif was beautiful and strong. And um, I was interested in the Warriors 3. I thought they were really cool and funny. And that's about where I was introduced. Yeah. Yeah. Exact same. Like, first encounter was the the first Thor. Uh, I didn't know much about them. Uh, The only things I knew, like, on a meta standpoint was the actor for Volstagg was Ray Stevenson and he had been playing the Punisher in the sequel movie that's the lesser known version of the two and Jamie Alexander who played Sif had been on Kyle XY before that like that was all I really knew about them but they were memorable especially for the first Thor in fact I'd say the first Thor was their best outing it was their first outing and and unfortunately the best outing they were gonna get <laughs> just their first time meeting uh darcy and and eric and everybody and they just knock on the glass and hi I'm like <laughs> oh my god these people are my people <laughs> i enjoyed the energy uh, stevenson brought to volstag he was just like a happy-go-lucky big guy you know he knew he can hold his own in a fight and oh yeah sure he's He's just not your, you know, your stereotypical. Actually, I guess he's more stereotypical than the hard-bodied uh, Hemsworth, actually, for a true Viking bod. But you know, it wasn't. I would say for Hollywood, his body type is definitely not one puts up on the front line. Now, but guys built like that are strong, and they can fight. Like, uh, he reminds me a lot of Roy Nelson. Roy Big Country Nelson, he's a mixed martial artist in the UFC, he's a heavyweight, and he's 
like this real big dude. And you're like, that guy's not athletic. There's no way that guy could fight. And then he gets in there and he slugs. Mm, absolutely. Kind of like watching um, the, the caper toss. I really enjoy going to Scottish games and watching these guys that you're just like, what are they even doing out here? Lifting these telephone poles and just tossing them through the air. And you have to have enough mass in your body to be able to move them at all. Yeah. Hollywood muscle is not necessarily the most practical muscle. (laughs) Or the healthiest to maintain. Absolutely not. You know how much chicken he was eating? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right. So our second question is, what is your favorite rendition? And I'm going to open this up to like costume as well, in case you have read about the Warriors 3 or Lady Sif and been like, oh, yeah, I love the costume from number issue, whatever. Oh, so I am not, again, super well versed in Sif and the Warriors 3. My really, my only real interaction with them was from the the movies and the the brief appearances on like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. But I really appreciate what they did, especially with Sif's outfits, with the appropriate cover- coverage of all the major body parts, um, appropriate armor levels, but it's still versatile enough to move around. She's got versatility of weapons. So there's just so much that is practical about the movie and TV versions for what they throw forward with her. And the guys all have their own individual styles. You know exactly what outfit belongs to what person if you were happen to see them all hanging up somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. That's all right. Yeah. Cool. How about you, Shanko? I think uh, Iron Bull has a line for uh, Lady Sif's armor, which is there's no point putting boobs in the armor. <laughs> um, so. I'm I'm definitely inclined to agree that her armor design is extremely realistic and practical um, for the most part. I mean, it's still, it looks like movie armor. It's, you know, a bit more flashy than you'd probably expect typical armor to be. But I really liked her costuming for Thor The Dark World, which I, I've said it a couple of times, Thor The Dark World is probably my favorite of the Thor movies. Uh, I just liked how it was still very mythical and very magical and not like crazy spectacle kind of thing. And I really liked her costume because she's still wearing her armor at the big celebration. Uh, but she has this really elegant like fur cape on mm. too. And I really dug that look. I liked the the fur cape and the armor and the um just the layers that it had to it. And I really I liked the Thor the Dark World costumes. Um I liked the red that they gave her in her armor. It was a little bit darker than it was in the first Thor. Yeah. Now yeah. I'm looking up movie stills because I want to see more of that costume. <laughs> I would say my favorite is so there were two actors for Fandral. First Thor movie was uh, Josh Dallas, and he did a great job. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I believe he had a con- schedule conflict that happened with the second one. And so they pulled in uh, Zachary Levy for Dark World and, and Ragnarok. And I prefer levy's version of fandral he i mean he's basically playing flynn rider that's basically what he's doing and <laughs> that's you know, that charming roguish type and levy does that like hands down freaking perfectly I think I, there's actually a third actor that played him for ragnarok n- i'm i was fairly certain it was levy for for that one too they pulled him in for 
literally his death scene and that was it but i could be wrong you know levy was fandral for ragnarok he's on the cast list here okay good yeah we got it figured out yep and just ragnarok like as much as everyone loves ragnarok for for it all it it blank slates everything and i don't like blank uh blank slate storylines if your storyline requires you to completely reset to square one because of whatever then you've written a bad story if you were in a corner and just going like all right burn it down i don't need any of it anymore then you it's just not creative in my opinion it's just not creative i could be very much in the minority on that i mean i have a an opinion on that as well and i think i would rather see you burn it all down than oh no we've written ourselves into a corner let's give superman another superpower we're not talking about superman this is the mcu not the dcu i get that i liked what the first two thor movies were trying to bring to the table i Mm -hmm. I really appreciated the very theatrical, very almost Shakespearean uh, renditions of the stories because I think the characters and the setting lends itself very well to that. Oh, and yeah. like you said, it kind of blank slates when we get to Ragnarok and it, it's, it was kind of hard to see because even though the Warriors 3 weren't overly important, I mean, they got their showing in Thor 1 and then they reappear for a bit in Dark World just to throw them to the wayside the way they were. Yeah, it it was really, really hard to see and just disrespectful. And I mean, Lady Sif wasn't even present. No, Alexander had, again, scheduling conflicts with her show Blind Spot on uh, NBC. Mm-hmm. And uh, she just they couldn't get her schedule to work with the Thor schedule. And so Sif never made an appearance. But, you know, Hela just walks in one shots uh, Fandral. I think two shots Volstag, and then uh, Hogan is the only one who actually gets any kind of a fight. And he, you know, he puts together a small—I'm not even going to say an army, just a small company—and then they still cut him down in like nothing flat. And yeah, it was just disrespectful for properties that had been established. Yeah, it was just kind of irresponsible to throw away characters who could have become major players down the line. Yeah. But it does bring me, I'm going to go ahead and, and jump off here onto a uh, more positive note. And like our third question is what kind of like hope do you see for these characters in the future? And Sif does make a reappearance in Thor Love and Thunder. Mm-hmm. So that's good. She gets brought back after the blip. But unfortunately, the Warriors 3 were not taken up by the blip. So what they could do is they pull from comic book history right now in which you do the the reborn storyline where Thor, after the events of Ragnarok in the comics, he has to go out and find the reincarnated souls of his Asgardian brethren. And this is back when Asgard was floating above Broxton, Oklahoma. Now, is that a real place? Yes. Oh, cool. Yeah. So there's a there's a shout out for all of us Oklahomans. You guys should go on a field trip. <laughs> eh, maybe. Um, anyway, he, in the comic books, he finds the warriors three in the bodies of three guards in Africa and he pulls their souls and get re- they get reincarnated. And because they didn't have to do the events 
like what they did with Sif isn't what they did in the comic books. They don't have to do the complicated comic book story where her soul is trapped in a cancer-stricken old woman named Mrs. Chambers and Loki's out running around in the body that she was supposed to have. Like this was a period of time where Loki uh, was being presented as female. She's having a great old time just messing around being Loki as a woman. So we don't have to do that at least. So there is a positive ray of sunshine. Look at me being positive. <laughs> Sorry, Don't you didn't mean, at me. I, that was almost a laugh. I didn't mean to make that sound out loud. Sorry. <laughs> and I mean, unless you guys have like, you guys have other ideas on where a future might be for them currently in the MCU. I like where you're going with that, uh, with that storyline from the comics. I think it would be a good way to bring it in, especially since the multiverse is established too. You know, we don't, we're not really tied to one reality, I suppose. Mm, True. Um, I think they do need to be careful about just going, okay, these characters died in the main continuity. Let's just drag in another version of them from a different reality. Mm. I kind of want to tread that line. I want to see them tread that line a little bit more carefully. But at least with Lady Sif, I mean, it's established that she makes her comeback and she is alive. So, you know, I'm not opposed to seeing her team up with another hero. I don't know necessarily where she would fit in very well, unless they end up doing something with the Olympians. And maybe she could kind of be the connection from the previous films into the new era but i'm Mm. curious to see what they do with all of that because we got our aries cameo in thor ragnarok (laughs) and i want it (laughs) all right that's fair uh what about you sophia do you have any like whatever they do with her whether or not they bring back the warriors three i want to see her continue to grow as an independent character arc i don't want her to get stuff to the side to be the MacGuffin for somebody else's story. I Mm. don't want to see her go back to being the pining princess following Thor around with puppy dog eyes or any other person. I want to see her keep growing into the incredible protector that she already is, but just more. Mm. I would love to see her get her own contingent of Valkyries and just go to town and whatever war needs fighting. That would be pretty cool. Yeah. That would be epic. I would have lots of fight scenes to talk about if that were the case. So many fight scenes, as long as they do them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, or they could totally like montage it, Shanko. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> can, we, can we not do... I mean, montages are cool and all, but can we get some actual, like, something to watch happen? The only montages I care to see are the Luis ones from Ant-Man. When he when he tells the stories really, yeah, but, really okay, exaggeratedly, yeah. like I can get behind that, but I don't need a two, not even like two minutes, like barely a minute and a half, like just over of stuff blowing up with Captain America that it made me sad. <laughs> the only it, I was happy, I but sad. I was happy, but sad at the same time. I'm like, this is awesome. But like, I need 10 more minutes of it at least. I want any montage to either be 
the two minutes and 41 seconds of cinematic justice of the montage fight scene in New York where no one is speaking and you're just following character to character to character to character while everyone's doing something. There are no lines for two minutes and 41 seconds. I timed it. And it's brilliant. So either that kind of montage where you can actually follow a fight or Luis needs to narrate all of them. But are those even montages at that point? I mean, a montage is just a quick series of events that happen. And yeah, that's sort of what that entails. But really, you know, just a montage is here's a flash from this thing. And then here's a flash from some other thing. It's tangentially related. And then here's a third thing. It's tangentially related to the first two. But it's not it's not cohesive, like following a fight as it's happening or even Luis's monologue. I don't, is that a monologue sort of? He tells like a monologue recap of there events. There you go. Yeah. Uh, I want Luis to narrate the, the play highlighting Loki's death. <laughs> please, please. <laughs> if anyone important enough is listening to this, please make it happen. Just like a clip in one episode of the show. <laughs> Just like it. half an episode of What If. <laughs> a what if episode is just specifically narrated by louise as well what if x happened oh let me tell you about what happened please <laughs> please make 100 percent. all right well if you're listening that... <laughs> yeah if you're please. listening marvel do that all right well on that uplifting note let's roll into our mid-break here Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I would like to thank everyone. Thank you for sticking with us and listening. As you may have heard, we have a Patreon now live, and we have already got some new patrons, so I'm going to read those names out here real quick. Um, we have two new patrons. We have a Wally Wagner and Genesis, who has decided to join us. So thank you, both of you, for joining up. Thanks, and guys. It means so much. We are really appreciative for everything and and thank you jen we're looking forward to seeing you in the patron chat yeah she signed up for our tier four superhero Ooh. and jen you are our superhero yes you are also thanks dad <laughs> <laughs> all right and normally this is also where we would read off some reviews we don't have any reviews but if you are feeling so inclined you can hit up apple and leave us a five-star review we will read it out uh you can also just hit up spotify and hit us with a five-star review that's always fantastic and appreciated if you are specifically listening on spotify and you are like i need to leave you a review you can email us at mculorecast at gmail.com and you can totally send in your review that way and we'll accept reviews in any form <laughs> just get it to us right and you can send it on discord too we're uh we've got our own 
little channel in the robots radio discord so shameless plug here so i can tweet at you guys also yes you can tweet us at mcu lorecast we'd be happy to discuss marvel or just send us your review you dm us on facebook or instagram too we are on all the social medias not tiktok yet um i'm not terribly interested in tiktok but we'll discuss that one later and if you have liked the Facebook page, thank you very much for your like. Uh, speaking of Facebook pages, Shanko. Uh, yeah, so if you guys are looking for an awesome place to go shop, check out our show sponsor, Bearded Brown Coat. It's an awesome little comic shop here in my hometown of Ocala, Florida. Uh, they've got two locations, one uh, right off of State Route 200 and one next to the Publix Plaza down in Bellevue, a little bit further south. If you are into any kind of nerdy media, comics, games, tabletop, D&D, you can get it at Bearded Brown Coat. So roll in, check them out, tell them Captain Shanko and Sykes sent you from the MCU Lorecast. They'd love to hear from you and they'd love to see you. It's definitely worth the trip. So if you're in the Central Florida area, go check it out. Uh, You can also find their website. We're going to include the link down in the description. And lastly... You can find either of us on our other podcasts. You can find me playing the character Jack Parizo on the aforementioned Mass Effect Blue Shift tabletop RPG live play podcast. And I I take orders from... That so- would be me, Sophia Justine, and I am the GM and Galaxy Master for the Marvel Blue- Mass Effect Blue Shift. Wow. <laughs> yep. Uh, it's always a blast. She tells a great story. Uh, she's really trying to tap into that uh, true crime that has swept the nation and, and she falls asleep to, which I try not to think about when I go to sleep. <laughs> yeah, I'm one of those people. Subliminally, uh, subliminally su- uh, studying how to get away with murder. <laughs> I mean, for the most part, it's forensics stuff and I am a science major. That's fair. I give you a pass. It's academic interest. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, Shenka, where else can you be found? I can be found as also was one half of the Wizarding World lore cast. I do that show with Benetameria. It is a Harry Potter world lore, magic, and more variety show. And that comes out on Fridays. Nice. Right. Let us come out of our mid-break and we're going to write into some myths and legends. All right. So, Sophia, Justine, if I understand correctly, you have had a very deep interest in you know, myths and legends of the world, right? Myths, legends, um, world religions folklore all of that is um just kind of a a hobby of mine i have an entire shelf in my library that is just religions and stories and myths and folklores and fairy tales from around the world yep i'm looking right at it (laughs) you're missing a big chunk of it it's in my car right now (laughs) ah okay but um as i as i had stated in the first thor the warriors three do not have a norse uh, mythos start they are purely from the marvel brain as it were but lady sif i believe has some 
some real world connections, correct? She does. So little preface, Norse mythology is not my particular forte. And I had to do a bit of digging to find really anything on Sif that wasn't comic related. And I still didn't find much. So I've got a couple of stories where she makes an appearance and a little bit of a backstory. There's a thought that she could have been a precursor to fertility goddess to Freya. There's not a whole lot to support that outside of the fact that her hair is golden and the color of wheat and that she's married to Thor, the god of the sky. And if you're going to have sky and earth and they're married, it must be a fertility thing. Kind of feel like that's a stretch. Bunch of researchers agree with me, but uh, we can take that as it is. In that whole married to Thor thing, she produces a whole bunch of kids for him. Uh, two sons and a daughter for sure, a bunch of others that are mostly unnamed, and then one in particular, the god of archery, who is definitely hers and definitely not his. So that's <laughs> oh, exciting. No. Yes, that <laughs> happened. But it's never actually said who his father is. So they there is an acknowledgement that he's illegitimate, but there's not ever a, this is where you came from. He's just the god of archery and a bunch of other things that I didn't write down because I'm bad at research. He's there. He exists. And they acknowledge him, which is more than most illegitimate children would have gotten. Just kind of cool. I do appreciate how uh, capricious and kind of human all of the gods, and I say all the gods, like cross pantheons, are they are they are fallible they they are not uh like they do not stay faithful to their respective partners they will kill out of anger they'll kill for sport what have you so i i appreciate the humanization that is in the uh other world as it is yeah so i've got a long story from the prose edda And then I've got a shorter story from the poetic Edda that features Sif. But even still for her being featured in these stories, she's kind of just the MacGuffin. She's the facilitator for the story to have happened rather than being an actual part of the story, which I find is an incredible disservice to an actual goddess in this religion. Like, It's not entirely a dead religion. And for it to have been so mistreated when the area that it came from was Christianized and so much of it was taken down, it's kind of a disservice in my opinion, but I'm not an expert. Okay. So Sophia, what is that long story? All right. So this long story comes from the prose edda and I've kind of squished it down to make it a little easier reading, listening. Um, and it goes something like this. Loki, out to cause a little mischief, shaves Sif's head while she's asleep. This is a win-win in the mischief book because she was known for her beautiful hair, and also it would make his brother, her husband, really mad. So Thor wakes up to a bald wife, and off he goes to find Loki. Uh, This is a loose translation here, but I imagine Thor said something like, fix this, or I hurt you. Loki promises to fix it if he can go to Svartalfheim and talk to the dwarves. There are a couple of different versions of what happens next, but Loki finds um, two brothers, Brokir and Sindri, 
uh, also known as Brock and Eatree, much easier to pronounce, so I'm going to stick to those names, um, and he asks for their help. They make three magical creations for him to take back to Asgard to make amends. They make um, Skidblomdnir, which is the fastest ship ever, and it can be folded up to pocket-sized, and that's for Freyr. They make Gungir, um, and I know I'm butchering those pronunciations, but that is a spear that always finds its mark for Odin, and a headdress of gold to replace Sif's shorn locks. Now, when the dwarves were ready to take these items to Asgard and be rewarded for their hard work, Loki taunts them with a uh, double or nothing type deal. They double up, make three more magical things, and they can have his head. While Broke and Itri get to work, Loki transforms himself into a gadfly. I had to look that one up. It's a group of insects related to horseflies. For people not from the Midwest, uh, think a housefly that bites and is roughly the size of a quarter. So horsefly Loki is biting and bleeding these poor guys while they are working really hard at a really hot forge, but they still manage to make three more creations. Gulenbursti, which is a golden boar who shines like the breaking of dawn for Freyr. Draupnir, which is a magic ring that creates more of itself for Odin. And the big one, the one we've been waiting for, Mjolnir, a warhammer that will always return to its wielder's hand. Now, Loki does manage to do enough damage to mess with these guys enough that they screw it up just a little bit, giving it the much shorter handle that we've come to know it for compared to any other warhammer you would see in an actual fight. Now, having all six items created, Loki steals them and runs for Asgard, hopefully beating the news of his wager. So when the dwarves do show up and demand Loki's head as payment because he made a deal, the gods all just go with it. Yeah, that's fair. He made a deal. Uh, Loki pulls one more trick out of his hat. The original merchant of Venice says, uh, you can have the head, but you're not allowed to damage the neck. That wasn't part of the bargain. And no one being able to get out of this, the gods and dwarves just settle on sewing his mouth closed and calling it a day. So it's a Sif story because without her shaven head, the story never happens, but it's not really about Sif. No, it's not. It's really just, uh, it's, uh, hey, all these grand creations of the Norse mythology. Uh, here's where they all came from real quick. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. She's, yeah. she's the MacGuffin. She's the thing that has to happen so that everything else can happen in this instance. Mm. I don't want to encounter horsefly Loki because I might be in Florida, but we definitely have horseflies. And no, yeah. I, I fully believe that he did enough damage to those dwarves that they screwed up their work because horsefly bites hurt. Yeah. So <laughs> they hurt a lot. Um, the, the injury he causes during the creation of Mjolnir is he comes up and gets this guy in the face bad enough to make him bleed down into his eyes. And that's why he pulled the the hammer out too early because he couldn't see the length of the handle because he's bleeding down his face from a horsefly bite. Oh my God. Yeah. This is a real thing that happens. Horseflies are awful. Hard belief. Yep. Yep. (laughs) All right. Um, Wow. 
Yeah, and and unfortunately, it's 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 a little showing of its time as well. Because uh, I mean, like Lady Sif, major warrior, you know, pretty badass, and she's reduced to goddess Sif, the goddess of something, the wife of Thor, and the mother of his children. Sounds like a bad headline, like uh, hu- uh wife of Thor shaved. Like that's like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Oof. All right. Yeah. Um, you said you had a shorter story. The shorter one. one is even less, more, sadder. I'm not quite sure how to describe it. It's it's two-ish stanzas from the poetic era. So the story up to that point is Loki shows up unannounced to a party at, at one of the halls in Asgard or Valhalla, and basically charisma checks himself into a seat at Odin's table, and then proceeds to call out literally every goddess in the room for infidelity. Oh. <laughs> like, because that's just what you do at a fancy party with the god of the gods. So this is bits taken out of stanzas uh, 53 and 54. So Sif says to him, Hail to you now, Loki. Take this drink I offer you of our good old mead. Do this rather than find fault with me um, alone among all the gods and goddesses. And Loki replies, you would be unique, Sith, if you actually were wary and unwelcoming to other men. But I alone know you were unfaithful to your husband, Thor, and I was the one you slept with. Ew. Right? Uh... How? cringe can you be no wonder she just comes by and kicks him in the balls during during loki right (laughs) so it's important to note thor was not in the room when that goes down no he'd have been fried otherwise (laughs) and when he comes back into the room nobody says anything it's never said anywhere in the poetic eddas whether this is truth whether Loki is calling people out just to get a rise, whether he's actually slept with every girl there, but he basically makes the exact same jab at every female in the room. So it's it's hit and miss on who he's actually saying truthful things about and who he's just trying to mess with. Uh, I mean, he's not the god of mischief and chaos for nothing. <laughs> yeah. Also he lies in trickery. <laughs> He transforms himself into a horse. Yeah, that's enough. (laughs) He transforms himself into a mare to breed with a stallion so that he can then give birth to the eight-legged horse Schlepnir? Who he then gives to Odin. (laughs) He's like, here's my son. Here, your grandson. Ride Ride him swiftly into battle. (laughs) It's like, thanks, I'll do that. And then he does. Yep. Yeah, he does. Yep. Uh, Sleitnir even makes an appearance in the first Thor movie. I think it's the only movie Sleitnir makes an appearance in, too, Mm -hmm. if I remember correctly. I could be wrong. I'm sure someone on the internet will tell me I'm wrong. Because if that's not what the internet's for, I don't know what we're doing on it at this point. You're absolutely right. I do know that the horseback riding training for the Asgardians was minimalist at best. Um, and that, so Tom Hiddleston did a film called War Horse before, or after he did Thor. And 
he told them that, oh yeah, I have riding experience. I, uh, I rode in, I rode a little bit on the rainbow bridge when I filmed Thor and they're like, oh, great. Perfect. And then he gets to actually ride the horse and they're like, you ride like a floppy cowboy. <laughs> you need to fix yourself, sir. <laughs> well, I don't know. Hey, look, training is wherever you can get it when you're an actor, okay? And you put it on your resume because otherwise you aren't considered for the role and you can be trained otherwise. Listen, even with my martial arts training and my horseback riding experience, I was passed over for Power Rangers and Mulan at Disney. Oh. Okay, but you could totally go join... um like anywhere in the Shire because 90, I want to say 90 plus percent of the riders of Rohan were horse girls because they couldn't get enough male extras that had horse experience. Yeah, I would have killed to uh, be there, but I think I was about two when that movie was being filmed. Um, I mean, you don't have to make me feel old. No, no, no. She does this to me all the time. <laughs> It's part you don't place. have to make me feel old, sir. Damn. All right. Well, <laughs> all that being said, we appreciate the real world connection that these characters have. But for our comic book enthusiasts, I've got a couple of quick stories. Uh, it's not even going to be stories. I have found that reading these issues aloud isn't is not great for this medium so instead i'm going to tell you about uh, a series when uh, i'm just like kind of paraphrase it synopsis it real quick for you uh tell you who wrote it when it was tell you my quick thoughts on it that's about it for the warriors three i have the synopsis of thor blood oath it is a six issue mini series set during the early days of the thor comics Thor returns to Asgard after beating the pants off the Absorbing Man to find his three friends on trial for killing a shape-shifted giant. And as punishment, they must go out and find powerful mystical items from across different pantheons and return them to the giants as recompense. Thor, of course, has to join up with them. And so now the four friends have a classic quest of adventure and male bravado. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> So it's another story of four dudes gallivanting across the countryside? Basically, the countryside includes, you know, Greece and China and a couple other places. So now it's a Monty Python skit. Maybe. Yeah, sort of. With more lightning and thunder. Uh, it guest stars Hercules. He's in issue three. And he and Thor have, of course, a big mighty brawl. And it's got other gods from around the world. Uh, it was written in September 2005 by Michael Avon Oming and drawn by Scott Collins. It got dinged by a lot of guys who say that uh, Oming wrote a too much of a modern Thor. Like his his uh, manner of speech was not the I and forsooth and all that. It was very modern. He told characters to like shut up and other stuff. So it. If you don't mind your Thor not sounding like the God of Thunder, it's pretty good. It's it's a fun six-issue thing. Uh, you can find a trade paperback of it somewhere, more than likely. Bearded Brown Coat. At Bearded Brown Coat. There you go. For our more recent comic book history, uh, Volstag has become the War Thor. He had picked up a 
different dimensions Milner that had been like cast aside in the depths of Asgard. And so he picked it up and has become worthy enough to have the powers of Thor. So he's out doing War Thor stuff. And the other two just haven't done much since um, the Fear Itself storyline, which is a shame. As for our Lady Sif, she gets a lot of page time during the Thor Son of Asgard series, 12 issues long. This kind of is the same stories that we were we were just talking about. It sets all of that up uh, with the classic Nordic tales, including when Loki had chopped off Sif's blonde hair. Where this differs, because as we all know, Sif has black hair. And so in Marvel continuity, when Loki tried to stiff the dwarves for remaking her hair, uh, they claim that if you give us nothing, you will get nothing. And thus... From nothing sprouts black uh, black tendrils and they attach themselves to uh, Sif's head and thus she gets her black tresses that we know. Same reason that he had chopped off her hair in the stories was to like weaken the relationship between Thor and Sif. But Thor proved of her new look actually more than her original look. So that backfired for him. Um this series was in May 2004 by Akira uh, Yoshida and Adi Ranoff. And as for our more recent history, uh, Sif became the main character of the Journey into Mystery comic book line, which unfortunately did not last very long after that. Uh, currently, she is the new guardian of the Bifrost Bridge, having taken over the job from her brother Heimdall, which is definitely not as it is in the MCU. But yeah, uh, she spent some time as a berserker. I think that's still part of her new like thing after being reborn a couple of times. And that's that's what I've got for for comic book stuff regarding these characters. I think we I'm glad that we were able to give these characters their due because their run was short and it should have they should have done more with these characters. They had a lot of potential and a and a great couple of actors for it yes just a mishandling of the of the characters on marvel's part and i i think i understand just because it it's a lot to handle a character like thor and all of his supporting characters when you have the people you know on earth and then he's got these four friends that you need to highlight as individual characters it is it's it's difficult but i would have loved to see more i would not have complained about it yeah, so Thor Thor doesn't strike that balance of ensemble cast very well. Thor's about Thor, right? Mm-hmm. And then everyone else plays second, third, and you know, fifth fiddle to him. And once you get down past about fifth fiddle, you just don't matter to the overall. You are a plot device to help other things of the plot happen. And unfortunately, that's what happens to the Warriors 3 and Sith, is that they just don't quite make the cut and then you throw in scheduling conflicts with actual actors and it's just okay uh we don't know what we're doing with these guys so just kill them off and we'll see what happens afterward mm-hmm. and we do get to see lady sif again in agents of shield but it's brief <laughs> yeah yeah she's one of the one of the only big draws the agents of shield gets in the early seasons it's her 
Colby Smulders returns as a Mariah Hill for a couple episodes, and then for one whole episode, it's not even a whole episode, it's like the last 10 minutes of it, uh, the, the man himself, Mr. Samuel L. Jackson, makes an appearance. And that's it. That is all the big names from the MCU coming into Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. We will discuss Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in depth, and we'll talk way more about how disappointing all that was at a later date. But as you can already tell, none of us are real happy about that, but whatever. I think that's what the producers said. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, probably. Mm -hmm. Uh, As for Lady Sif and the Warriors 3, which really, can we call that a band name? Can we can we start a an MCU lore cast band band list? <laughs> Only if they can be like a Viking metal band. Oh well, of course. Like and what else they, they need be? to be throat singers. <laughs> yes. Can Jamie Alexander throat sing? Is the uh, question. I, I have no idea. So yeah, that that <laughs> I'm still here. I'm still here for it. <laughs> Volstag not looks to go well. She er, Volstag looks like the drummer of a heavy metal band. Yeah, yeah, he does. <laughs> all right, well, that's all I've got. Um, Shanko, you've got any last thoughts? I don't think so. We get to roll into our next season though next week, which is very exciting. Yes, we'll be moving right into phase two with Iron Man three. I don't know if it's going to be a new season or just a continuation of season two, but either way. We keep on keeping on because we've got plenty to work our way through. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, we do. I think with that, guys, that's it from us. Um, Have a good night. Be safe. And we'll see you next week. Bye, everyone. Bye. As we all know, when it comes to making a movie, there are a lot of people working behind the scenes to make that movie magic happen. And it is no different when making a podcast. Welcome to the credits section of the MCU Lorecast. Captain Shanko and I would like to personally thank the following for their incredibly hard work and faith in us to get this podcast rolling. Tom, the head of the Robots Radio Network, for hosting and mentoring. In Seven Legend of the Mass Effect Lorecast for inspiration, Genesis and Vervada of the Two Girls One Ship podcast for introducing us, Let's Not, a fellow tabletop gamer and friend for the amazing artwork, Pipemen, a veteran and friend for the outstanding music, our significant others for believing in and supporting us through this, and you, our fans, without whom this would be a vanity project. Let us know how we're doing by leaving us a review on Apple or a rating on Spotify. And, to quote Stan the Man, enough said. How well do you know your video game lovers? Have you ever wondered how your video game bays stack up against all the other delectable digital dates? I'm Genesis, the girl whose motto in life is love, laugh, tequila. And on Two Girls, One Ship, we analyze, rate, and review all that the world of video game romances has to offer. And I'm Vervada, the hopeless romantic cat lady and lifelong gamer. But you should know that our podcast centers on character and romance analysis and doesn't shy away from exploring the fun of physical connection. 
or from the deep emotional connections built between two characters, using specific in-game dialogue, and the overall narrative journey. So join the two girls, one ship, shipsters, and remember... Beauty is in the eye of the controller.